0: Here's the quote, it is the quietest and meekest people who are often capable of the most sudden and unexpected violences for the reason that when their control goes, snap, it goes entirely.
1: Okay, well I picked that quote for you, because I think that's how you like to think of yourself. You think he likes to think of himself as one of the quietest and meekest people, but capable of the most sudden and unexpected violences.
0: I do have sudden violences. Welcome to Fire the Cannon. This podcast is called Fire the Cannon. It's about well, it's what it's kind of about is like we read stories no, sorry. I always want to do the intro for the other podcast I do. Oh, this is a great time to plug it. No, it is so,
1: not. Well, this no, cannot be a word.
2: You cannot plug your other podcast before you've said what our podcast does. If you plug that, I'm gonna just bl- 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 into the microphone. So just drown. She's you out. gonna play copyrighted Excuse music me, on top. I'm, I'm gonna say it so loudly it's gonna reverberate <laughs> to your microphone in Houston, and you won't even be able to use your own recording. Okay,
0: so this is Fire the Canon. This is the podcast where Rachel and Jackie read all the books in the Western canon and decide which ones belong in the canon which ones should get kicked out
1: fired out you might say
0: yeah this is called kick the canon um,
2: <laughs> kick the canon down the road we're done with that
0: yeah and it's weird that i'm the first one you hear talking because i'm just the producer i don't know anything so let's get you to the host real quick so here's jackie
2: here's
0: jackie
1: <laughs> what do you want me to say something about yourself
0: yeah Let's do let's do an icebreaker.
1: Favorite flavor. <laughs>
0: let's do it. What's your favorite flavor? Uh garlic. <laughs> All right. Rachel, now it's your turn.
1: Hello everyone. It's me, Rachel. Favorite flavor. What's your
0: favorite flavor?
1: I don't know. I I, I was talking a lot to a friend last night about mint ice cream, so I'm kind of craving
2: mint oh, at the yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite flavor, Theo? <laughs> I'm
0: Theo. I'm the producer. My favorite flavor is sugar. <laughs>
2: He is not, not very
1: good at tasting. That's the thing. But I love sugar. <laughs> I really like umami.
2: My
0: favorite flavor is sweet.
2: <laughs> he's basically like a like an ant or something. Give <laughs> him some nectar, he's happy. All
0: right, let's keep going.
1: Let's keep going. Okay,
2: so this week... Favorite song, pour some sugar on it.
0: Let's do an icebreaker at the beginning of each episode. I think that'll help.
2: Let's not. This went terribly. This wasn't good. We're very <laughs> uncomfortable
1: with each other. Like, we're not comfortable at all. We barely yeah. know each other, that kind of thing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Can I introduce the book? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you sound disappointed. So we are doing something new this year, and hopefully we'll continue it every year, but we're going to do... This year?
2: Yeah, 2021. Like we're just introducing 2021's new strategy in November.
1: No, we're. I, if you give me a second, I'll finish my sentence, and you'll hear what we're introducing. Well, sorry, start your sentence in a better way because it's too confusing. Jackie, I'm building suspense.
0: Uh, Jackie, you don't know, but I'm going to add in a drum roll, so then you'll you'll look silly by not recognizing the suspense. All right.
1: The new thing that we're trying this year is we're doing a Christmas mystery, a Christery, if you will, and there are. many many of them. So the first one we're starting with is by Agatha Christie, that grande dame of murder. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're going to start with Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Let's call it that. I
2: kind of want to watch our French listenership dwindle, dwindle, dwindle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet they love it. They probably think, oh, it's so cute that they're trying. But yeah, it's it's maybe we say so. Mm. And then we can watch all of our listenership dwindle after I said something like that. No, no, they
1: love that that shit. Those (laughs) bad puns. They have to (laughs) if they're still here. So yeah, we're starting with Hercule Poirot's Christmas. And I'm really excited because we have as a special guest, not this episode, (laughs) but the next one, John Allison, who is one of my like, say, easily top five favorite comic book artists Eisner Award winning. He wrote Andrew for Bad Machinery, Giant Days. He's got some other stuff out. He's really great. And we're so excited to have him on. And he told us, I mean, I'm assuming because he's British, Poirot is a big deal to them, but he wants to talk about Poirot. So we thought, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and tell you guys what happens in the book first, just in case he wants to start with like who committed the murder right off the bat. So we're going to talk about that.
2: Yeah. Theo didn't know anything. You didn't know about Poirot before, right? So the reason we're talking about French you accents You didn't know is- about him? No. Whew. Okay.
0: I didn't even know of him.
2: didn't know from him. (laughs) About him, of him. No prepositions regarding Hercule Poirot. But the reason we're mentioning all the French accents is because he is Belgian and he's a detective. And he's been in many, many, many books. And there's been movies about him. A great TV series starring David Suchet, which Stephen is obsessed with. When's it set? Uh, like the 20s, 30s. Okay. The only thing that I had experience with before this was I saw Murder on the Orient Express, like the recent-ish remake from like 2018 or something. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good, but never read one of the stories. And this is the first one I read. And it was, as I said, full of Christie.
1: Agatha Christie wrote tons of mysteries. She had other detectives who were pretty well known, but Poirot, I would say, is her her biggest one. And personally... Poirot is one of my
2: favorite detectives. I really like him. One of your favorite fictional detectives, that is.
1: I, I don't think I have any favorite real detectives.
2: <laughs> so you don't even have to put that qualifier on it. <laughs> but you wouldn't rank them among
0: the fictional ones also. That doesn't seem fair.
1: It wouldn't be fair. Yeah, because I'm sure I would yeah. prefer the fictional ones. Anyway, so Poirot is known because he he's a very fastidious guy. He's from Belgium. And he emigrated to the u k. after World War One. And there's like a tragedy in his past. So he doesn't have any family. He has a little mustache, and he always dresses so neatly. He's quite vain and portly, and uh, he's already pretty old when the first book comes out. And he was a detective in Belgium, and then when he goes to the UK, he he's like a consulting detective, mm-hmm. like Sherlock Holmes, basically. And he has a famous thing he talks about, which is he always talks about his little gray cells in his brain, obviously. Hmm. He didn't mention that in this book.
0: Do other people not have them?
2: Uh, well, his are better, I guess. They're littler and grayer than any cells in the land. Yeah. (laughs) More cellular.
0: All right. So what are we doing next?
2: Let's talk about the dedication and then jump into the book. So the dedication is from Agatha Christie to her brother-in-law. At first, I wasn't sure who it was because she just said, like, this is one of my most faithful readers. and I was like, whoa, she dedicated the book to a reader. His name is James. I'll just read it. It says, My dear James, you have always been one of the most faithful and kindly of my readers, and I was therefore seriously perturbed when I received from you a word of criticism. You complained that my murders were getting too refined. Anemic, in fact. You yearned for, quote, a good violent murder with lots of blood. A murder where there was no doubt about its being murder. So this is your special story, written for you. I hope it may please. Your affectionate sister-in-law, Agatha. (laughs) Little James was... Quite bloodthirsty, I guess.
0: I didn't think authors really would do that, would
2: cater to their... Brother-in-law's. Their (laughs) brother-in-law's whims. (laughs) Well, she had a ton of stories about the same thing, so...
1: Maybe she thought he had a point. So, Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Something that I really, really like about this book, and a lot of the Poirot stories in general is that he's not even mentioned in the book until like 20% of the way through. Really? Yeah. So he's not centered at all. This is one of the stories where the story is focused on the suspects, essentially, and the detective is just kind of off doing things sometimes and then coming in and going out.
0: I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think you got to build hype for the detective. Like everybody's got to be saying... You wouldn't be saying that if Poirot was here.
2: (laughs) I did it. I killed him. You wouldn't say that if he was here. (laughs) I think that
1: the hype comes from people knowing that it's a Poirot book and it's called Hercule Poirot's Christmas.
2: And you're like, when's this Poirot going to show up? I would like it if the entire book was like the murder happens. People are all in a tizzy about it. And then in the last chapter, you get he was in the Bahamas the whole time having a wonderful Christmas in the tropics (laughs) like he wasn't involved. That was his Christmas. Murderer yeah. gets away.
0: Yeah. Oh, it would actually be fucking badass if he was, sorry. It would actually be freaking badass if he was <laughs> on vacation. And then someone just sends him a letter saying like, here are the details to the mystery. Can you solve this? And he's just like, oh, got it. And like writes down the solution and mails back a letter. Zip, up zap, zap. That'd be so good. <laughs>
1: I'm going to introduce the characters. So we already know Poirot. Put him out of your mind for now. It all takes place at this, like, really nice estate over the Christmas holiday because a wealthy old man has called his children to him. Some of them are hoping it's because he wants to make amends. And then some of them are like, no, he's an asshole. He just wants to mess with us. So the old man's name is Simeon Lee. Mm. And most other characters have the last name Lee. So Alfred is one of his sons. Alfred's wife is named Lydia. And that couple lives
2: with Simeon in the house full time. He kind of gave up his hopes and dreams to take care of his dad. He's the oldest son. He's the responsible one.
1: Right. And he's the one who cares the most about his dad and has the most positive feelings. But his wife is like, your dad treats you like a slave. He makes you do everything he wants. And then some. Yeah, And then some. <laughs> yeah. He, he makes you do things he doesn't even want you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see you. When the story opens, they're-, <laughs> they're kind of complaining because she's saying like, Your dad should just give you a bunch of money instead of giving you an allowance. And of course, I'm thinking, or this grown ass man could just get a job (laughs) and move out. Right. He can't.
2: He can't abandon his dad. He has another
1: son named George Lee and George has a wife named Magdalene. And George is a, he's like a Tory MP. So he's a huge asshole politician. And his wife is, I think, 20 years younger than he is. And everyone's like, I don't know why he married her. Or why she married him.
0: What's an MP? I don't know what that is. A
1: member of parliament. A member of parliament yeah and so then they have another son named David. David has a wife named Hilda David is an artist and he is estranged from his father because the dad was like, look if you try to become an artist that's it you are cut off and he was like, okay fine and then his wife Hilda when they um, when she's described, She's, like, a middle-aged woman. She looks very, very kind, but she's not, like, super beautiful or anything. But they seem to have, like, a nice marriage. They get along very well. So David, he really loved his mother a lot. And after his mother died is when he was like, I'm, you know, I'm cutting myself off from my dad. So then they have another son in the family.
2: (laughs) Like Pride and Prejudice, but with boys instead of girls. Yeah,
1: there's so many freaking sons. So they have a son named Harry. He looks a lot like his dad used to look when he was younger. He's a little bit wild. He, you know, he gets in a lot of debt and he doesn't have a serious career. He kind of just travels around the world and just sends his dad telegrams occasionally asking for money, and he's not married to anyone at the moment. He's the prodigal son. Yes, he is. The black sheep. We start with four sons. Three of them have wives. The household is not full yet because (laughs) (laughs) there's also a guy, which you don't need to know much about him, but there's like basically a male nurse who works for Simeon because he's not doing well, and then there's a butler named Tresillian Who has been with the family for like 50 years and everyone everyone says he reminds them of a cat and some people like that about him and some people really hate that about him. So you get a lot of perspectives where some people are like, oh, I can't wait to fire that guy. And then some people say, no, he's awesome. He's so loyal to the family.
0: Mm. I bet he's the murderer.
1: Well, let's find out. We have two more people. There is a young Spanish woman named Pilar Estravados, who is the granddaughter of Simeon. So his daughter ran off to Spain to get married and he cut her off basically. Or like they weren't in contact, but she's dead now. So her daughter is here. So we have Pilar. And then there's also a guy named Stephen Farr, who is the son of Simeon's former business partner. So he had made a lot of money like in a diamond mine in South Africa. I'm assuming he screwed over his business partner They lost touch, but Stephen happened to be in the country and he stopped by and Simeon was like, oh my gosh, you should stay
2: with us for Christmas. So they've got a full house. I wish that was the thing you could do these days. Just like stop by someone's house, be like, hey, my dad knew you one time. Can I stay with your family? It'd probably work for you, right? You've got enough space. It could happen. If someone said my dad used to know you.
1: Yeah. I mean, like what if Wilson's baby showed up or something? That's what I thought. Maybe
2: Wilson's baby would come. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I bet if I had a baby and I said, shoo, shoo, go to see Jackie, I bet you would take that baby in.
2: <laughs> and you and I haven't <laughs> talked in like decades and I'm just going to be like, all right, yeah. <laughs> take this baby in, <laughs> spend Christmas with me, maybe murder me. Who knows?
0: That's what babies do.
2: Sure. Okay. Do you want me to set
1: up the murder or do you want to do it, Jacko? You do it. Okay. I guess I will. So it's Christmas Eve. You have all these billions of people there, and everyone hears, like, a loud crashing sound coming from Simeon's room, and then they hear, like, a wailing noise and a a scream coming from the room as well. So, like, run in, and they try to get in. They have to, like, break the door down because it's locked from the inside.
2: And when they go in, they see— Should we maybe, like, (laughs) give a little bit of information about what happens before the murder? Go ahead, then. He calls everyone in and has a meeting with them. And they think, oh, well, this is, again, maybe he's trying to make amends for, like, how crappy he's been to all of us kids over our lifetimes. He wants us to, you know, come and visit him one last Christmas before he dies. Maybe he's going to want to be nice. And he brings them all into the room together, like, calls a family meeting. And then he just systematically goes through each one and tells them they're a failure. They haven't made him proud. He's going to be cutting them off, lowering their allowance, whatever. Basically just saying, like, I'm going to be giving all of my money to Pilar. And maybe one other of you and the rest of you probably aren't going to get anything. Sorry, that's how it is. And then he gets murdered right after. Dang. So anyway, that's one of the things that kind of sets up everybody having a potential motive to want to kill this guy. Ah. Almost everyone.
0: And that's kind of what makes it a mystery.
2: Yeah. (laughs) In a lot of Poirot stories,
1: the murders involve the upper classes. There's just some very funny eccentricities like I talked about with one of the sons saying like, oh, I wish his wife literally says something like it would be better if you weren't dependent on your father. And what she meant by that was he should just give you a big chunk of money and then you won't be dependent on him anymore. <laughs> yeah. And none of them ever say like, wait a second. <laughs> if I
0: just got a job. I wouldn't have to murder him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of like so because Pilar is she's not even half Spanish, like her Spanish dad had an Irish mom but there are all these very funny stereotypes about Spanish people everyone's like oh my gosh like she stands out she's so vibrant among all the English people and you know her flashing eyes and she's amazing she was not raised the way the English were she's so bold and spicy Mm. (laughs) and it's
2: like she's a white person from just over that way (laughs) they keep calling her um exotically pale and creamy they're just like ooh that cream creamy, pale skin. And I'm like, is she paler than everybody in the UK? Even though she's from Spain? Like she's creamier. Yeah. And they keep um, also referring to all the other women who are around her as egg-like. <laughs> Thea's in egg mode. Did you notice that? <laughs> Stop saying I'm in egg mode.
1: What is egg mode? Oh gosh. Egg mode is just the time in his life when he's eating a lot of
2: eggs.
0: And that be now.
2: Yeah, she's sitting on the train on the way to her grandfather's house, and Stephen sees her—the guy who's just come in from South Africa on his way to, you know, go go meet the guy—and he sees Pilar, and he's like, "Everybody else on this train looks like a boring egg, but not her. She's creamy Spanish goodness, and it's kind of gross.
1: Unlike an egg, she's creamy and pale." <laughs> Yeah, unlike an
2: egg, she's creamy and pale.
0: (laughs) Does creamy just mean the color or the texture? I
2: have no idea. (laughs) Creamy skin. I sure hope it's not the texture. (laughs) Standards
0: were different back then.
2: Maybe
1: it's about the uniformity of the color. I don't know. Oh. Hmm, are you Googling creamy skin right now?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, maybe. No, it's just going to come up with skin cream, I bet. Find out. I'll put it in quotes. I'll put it in quotes. Creamy skin. Oh. Cream colored slash very close to off-white slash off-white slash pale skin, but in a good way, dot, 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 not unhealthy looking, but rather attractive.
1: Pale in a good way. Yeah. Wow.
0: That sounds awesome. I'd like to see some of that.
1: Some attractive skin.
0: <laughs> yeah, some nice creamy skin.
2: Ew. What? What? You just sound creepy when you say it. Pale, but not in an egg way, we can say. <laughs> Pale but yeah. Not. So the other thing about Pilar is she's always kind of saying creepy things, I thought. Did you think that, Rachel? Just weird. I didn't think they were creepy. I just thought she was a weirdo. Well, but I thought that was kind of part of the weird, like, Spanish- quasi-racism, is everything she says is, like, a little bit violent. She talks like an alien. Yeah, she does. She acts like she's totally unbothered by violence. Like, she meets Stephen and is like, yeah, I was just coming here, and, you know, my car got bombed on the road, and my driver died, and there was lots of blood. It was terrible. It was very annoying to me because it made me late for my train. And he's just like, wow, you're a bloodthirsty young woman.
1: The Spanish Civil War was happening at the time, so she it's not, I don't think that she was meant to be, like, particularly bloodthirsty. I think the point is, like, all
2: of Spain is just dealing with it. But it's weird that she's annoyed that her driver got blown up and not (laughs) (laughs) horrified.
1: She only has so many little gray cells to waste.
2: So that's, that's setting up the
1: murder. Yes. And it's it's funny, like Pilar, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of the men are a little bit creepy to her. For example, I'm jumping around a little bit, but the single uncle of hers, Harry, at one point when he's talking about her, he says, I wish I wasn't a mere uncle. Oh no! Not even at one point. He says it like three times. Anytime he talks to another person. That exact phrase. Oh, I wish I wasn't a mere uncle. Like, I wish I was even more than an uncle. I don't consider a boyfriend to be more
2: than an uncle. (laughs) Steven, he's more than an uncle to me. (laughs) It's like if you're trying to talk to somebody and you're just like, hey, I was just wondering, do you want to go to the dance? And they're like, as... Uncles or more than uncles?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how you let someone down easy. You say, look, I like you as an uncle. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I I, want to stay uncles with you. (laughs) (laughs) A side note, that's how I started dating Sean in governor school. I said, do you want to go to the formal together? And he said as friends or more than friends? And I was like, more than friends would be good. And <laughs> and then it turned out he didn't want to be more than friends ever. So I don't know why he asked that. And then he was like, yeah, that'd be good. And then we like sent a bunch of little... Emoji hearts to each other. Whoa, really? More than friends would be good. It was,
1: some, it was honestly, it was something like that. But
0: friends is getting close to what I wanted.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be good, but not as good as friends would be. <laughs> yeah, and then he acted like a normal person, and we were just like, "Oh yay!" Little like heart emoji, smiley faces. We're happy that we're dating. And then, and then he was like, "I never wanted to date you."
0: Oh no, he did. <laughs> did that?
1: you send him a right? screenshot?
2: Say, got your
1: ass. Got you in 4K,
2: whatever. At the time, I was I was only screenshotting things Theo said because they were so freaking weird. Oh, wow. Weird? You don't know that you were weird as a teen? <laughs> we were all weird.
0: Yeah, Jackie was weird. You're right.
2: I still have <laughs> transcripts of like all of our chats, like me and Rachel and Theo. Oh,
1: God. Wow. Do you consider us to be more than friends or just friends because i don't think relationship is on a spectrum of friends i think we're more than friends but less than uncles theo was so upset friends
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's like friends plus it's like you are friends with the person you're in a relationship with but there's a little extra stuff too right
1: there's more yeah there should be a little extra yeah yeah like a podcast (laughs) no
0: no, we're not we're not more than friends we're friends (laughs) we're not getting it rachel
1: no i'm saying the plus is podcast
0: so I wanna know when you sent these emoji hearts. Yes. How stressful was that? Like how much anxiety did you have when you were like waiting to press that enter
2: key? None because I he had like just he... said it was good. And so you did Yep yeah, because I cuz he was the one who brought it up. I mean, I was the one who asked him to the dance, but then he brought it up that it could be more than friends. So I was like, "Oh, well no. that's how he feels." Yes it no, is. No,
0: if you're asking him to the dance, you're bringing it up.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, but I think I probably couched it as like well, well, you're my only acquaintance who isn't... I don't know. I, I probably couched it Who in doesn't something. hate me like Theo <laughs> does.
1: <laughs> yeah. We need to
2: see the
0: transcript because I, I don't know about this anymore.
2: Okay, if somebody says... Now, I've definitely done more anxiety-provoking things. That one wasn't that big of a deal because I knew him for two weeks. I didn't like him that much. It's not stressful to send someone a heart after
1: they agree with you that they want to be more than friends. The stressful the point, thing yeah. would be saying... When he said, Do you mean as friends or more than friends? And you said, Well, more would be good. That's the stressful no, part. No, no, no. So, okay, now I'm remembering. The so dance is the most no. stressful. More than friends is still no, stressful. Still- the hearts are oh not my stressful.
0: Gosh, the dance is the most stressful. <laughs> oh my God.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thea's freaking out. So he out. said, as friends are more than friends. And I think I said, either would be fine. I was just what? like, you know, do you want to go to Arby's or do you and want to go And then he said, a bunch of hearts.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you guys were dating at all. Either would be
2: fine. I said, either would be fine. And he was like, well, maybe more than friends. I don't know. It was very vague. That's the thing. Okay. Now you're really pushing it all onto him. I, but I, I think that's how it went. I really did think I was like- you know either one will be good
0: (laughs) all right jackie settle on something right now and then you're gonna have to find it i can't take a screenshot (laughs) put it on instagram
2: oh my god are you gonna
0: commit to this sure
2: (gasps) how could i possibly find (laughs) it scroll back
0: well no i think the hearts is a stressful thing as you're describing it but but
2: but first theo we sent like smiley faces it wasn't just straight up heart it was like smiley face and then like yay and then like ah and then like I've never done that. Yeah, I'm happy. I don't know. Like, it was cute for, like, five minutes. Okay. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Huh.
0: I gotta get my emoji game going.
2: you can kind to learn from teenage Jackie how to play the game.
0: <laughs> so if I ever propose to someone, should I say...
2: Do you want to get married as friends or more than friends? <laughs> yeah, no, this is how it goes. Someone just says, do you want to marry me? And the person's response is, eh, could go either way. <laughs> Sounds good to me.
0: Heart, heart, heart. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Propose to somebody over Facebook chat.
0: I think even after they've said yes to going to the dance, you still kind of want to play it a little cool. Like I, I don't know if I go straight to emojis. I don't know if I'm. She
2: didn't. He might
1: have been the first one. We were 16.
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Even at 16, I'm holding my cards pretty close to the vest.
1: You were very frank with us about your (laughs) hatred.
0: Wait, are we trying to get through this whole story? Yeah, it's episode? not going to take
1: that long, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we no, we easily can. Like seriously, now that we've explained the characters and the scenario, we're pretty much
2: done. But I just love that. Like Theo is so stressed about this emoji thing, though. I would. He would I, never send an emoji.
0: No, I I would send an emoji, but it, it's just like. It, but you have a, to be
2: basically engaged before he'll do it.
0: I mean, you're being pretty vulnerable there. In a way that I don't think I would be comfortable with.
2: No, an emoji is just a cover for emotions. Like it's it's literally just a symbol. You don't even have to say anything.
0: If you're sinning hearts, look, <laughs> here, listen to this. The reason I don't like Instagram and Twitter is because when you like something, you have to put a heart on it. Mm-hmm. It feels like way too big of a commitment.
1: That's why you like Facebook.
0: Yeah.
2: If you like it, then you should have put a heart on it like that. Yeah, because he's like, I don't love it. I just like it. It's true. Yeah, he's I've sent him like in, like direct messages on Instagram before and he'll like it and then he'll say, just so you know I like that, but it has to be a heart. <laughs> <laughs> like he'll like clearly delineate. It's not my choice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He says like Instagram only lets you do that, just so you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not ready to be that vulnerable.
2: You never heart
1: messages we send in Facebook chat? I
0: do ironically. You've of told course. us you
1: loved us like fifty times <laughs> in
2: a in one day. Yeah,
1: you you've been really a real love bug lately. <laughs>
2: He's never said it before in, like, 13 years of friendship, but then one day he was like, bam, all the love. Like, the dam is broken, yeah. Maybe because he's
1: like, I, I, I'm too dominant in this friendship. I have too much power. I need to bring myself down to their level yeah, right. by exposing my vulnerabilities. Too dominant.
0: You know it, Jack. Wow. I wonder when you guys are going to say you love me.
2: We have. We have. Oh. You can't bait us into it now, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to have recorded proof. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll bleep it.
2: <laughs>
1: i bleep you. That would be really funny. Theo, we bleep you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want us to say that we love you? Do you want us to say it? It would be nice. It, either way. <laughs> yeah, either either way is fine. <laughs> either one's good.
0: <laughs> you have to find it. Jackie, give me your Facebook login info, and I'll, I'll do the scrolling up to find the conversation with Sean.
2: I don't think I can find it. I mean, I well, find it. opened up a chat. No, I opened up a chat with Sean and it's empty. Like it doesn't show you history like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Ask him what he remembers. Let's get him on the pod.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg has all this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Okay. Well, anyway, here's another thing that I think is really funny. So we already told you about the murder. They go in the room and they see that in this frail- old man's bedroom, a bunch of heavy wooden furniture is flipped over and Simeon is dead and there's like blood all over the place and his throat was slit. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. I think I know where the blood came from. Mystery solved.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It turns out that it just happened to be the case that a guy from town, Superintendent Sugden, shows up at exactly the right time, this police officer, and he says, like, oh, uh, Simeon had called me for something to come up because, like, his diamonds have been stolen. So the detective is like, I was already here because he called me and then he just so happened to get murdered, so he was on the scene. So he notices Pilar pick something up from the floor and when he makes her show it to him, it's it's a little bit of rubber and like a small wooden piece in her hand. And everyone's like,
2: what is that? It's a pencil. But only Sugden <laughs> yeah. sees it because he takes it from her and is just puts it away. He doesn't want anybody to disturb the scene, right? That's bad police work. Makes sense. But everybody is disturbing the scene. I know. <laughs> They're all traipsing around in the blood in there. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. So
1: then uh, very soon after, Poirot shows up, Because he was called along with Colonel Johnson, who is a a constable, like a police constable.
0: He doesn't seem necessary.
1: Yeah, we've already got two. But yeah, no, there's three of them. So we have Sugden, who lives near, like in the town nearby. Johnson, who comes from somewhere else. And Poirot, who also comes from somewhere else. Okay. So when Poirot shows up, they have to solve this mystery. And it's very confusing because... The diamonds have been stolen. The room is locked from the inside. There's, like, evidence of a big struggle, but the murder victim is extremely old and frail and, like, has to have a nurse to help him do everything. So they're like, who killed him? And also, what was the little thing that Pilar picked up from the ground? So those are the questions, essentially. Like, how do these things go together? Right. Mm. And so Poirot, the way that he investigates, for the most part, he's just kind of, like, chatting with everyone a lot, just constantly talking to them, getting their stories, and then hearing what other people have to say about the other people (laughs) that he's already spoken to does he lure
0: them into a false sense of security (laughs)
1: some of them he has a different I mean I don't know if it's false but like (laughs) he definitely has like different ways of interacting with different people Mm. he's very distanced from what he's seeing so for example when they're questioning Pilar or no when they're questioning Magdalene the very young wife of one of the sons the narrator of the story tells us like what each of the police officers is thinking about her and like one them is thinking like oh she's so beautiful and then another one's thinking something else and then poirot thinks like it's interesting watching the way that she uses her beauty
2: like as a strategy oh i think most like if you're familiar with like sherlock holmes sherlock is like super, super logical, like understands everything, like knows lots of extraneous facts, notices everything. And Poirot is also very observant, but he's also very into like, I don't know, he's a little more holistic. He's like, I just want to get to know a person. Yeah.
1: Mm. Poirot. So yeah, Sherlock Holmes is very much, I'm going to look at the literal facts and clues, and then I know the answer. But Poirot is more like, I want to see what this person is like, and what other people think of them and what all of their relationships
2: are. I want to know if they collect butterflies. I don't want to know what his dad did for a living. (laughs) 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 Little prince, go back.
0: (laughs) Did they ever get to team up in fan fiction or anything?
2: In fan
1: fiction, 100%, I'm sure. Uh, Probably in fan fiction. Awesome. Yeah. So now you like part. He's happy. He's (laughs) never going to
2: look it up, but he's happy just to know. They've teamed up. (laughs) He feels good just knowing about it. Feels good. Just like when people move back to Crotchtown. Huh? Ooh, feels good. Yep. That's another... She's always trying to get you guys to spend money on the Patreon. That's another inside joke you have to pay for.
1: They would like it. Okay, so something I think is so funny is that when one of the police officers is talking to Poirot about Simeon Lee, they say, like, this is one of the richest men in England. He's a millionaire twice over. So he has $2 million. And they're like, can you believe this guy? That was a lot
0: of money back in sometimes.
2: Pretty understandable for the 20s. But just saying, like two times this dude is a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Multiple times. And by multiple, I mean
1: more than one. Yeah. Two, to be (laughs) precise.
0: Maybe they mean he was a millionaire, he lost all his money, and then he became a millionaire again.
1: So he has $1 million for the second time.
0: Riches to rags to riches story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The other thing that I think is kind of funny about Poirot is that everyone calls him Monsieur Poirot instead of just Mr. Poirot, which to me... I'm like, that is so weird because if I go to another country, I'm not going to be like, you need to use an honorific from my language to refer to me. (laughs) I would be fine with a Japanese person calling me whatever they would normally call me. I wouldn't be like, excuse me, that's Miss Rachel. Doesn't that seem weird?
2: Well, you're going to bring up that you're a doctor. <laughs> he doesn't insist on it, though. They kind of just do no, it. No, he
1: doesn't. That's what I'm saying. It's weird. He never yeah. tells them like, uh, no, I'm Monsieur Poirot. So I'm just saying like, it's weird to me that these
2: British people are falling over themselves to be like,
1: oh, Monsieur, Monsieur Poirot. Just call him Mr.
2: Poirot. Yeah. Mm. And then they see Pilar and they're like, senorita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, The thing that's funny about Pilar too is, I don't know if Jackie noticed this, multiple times she complains that English people aren't gay enough. She's always like, Mm. I was expecting so much more gayness. British people just aren't gay. Why aren't these people gay? She just goes on and on about the lack of gayness in
2: England. And after after her grandfather is murdered, she's like, this is the saddest Christmas. I was expecting something much more joyful from a real British Christmas. And her friend is like, someone's just been killed. <laughs> like, I think that's the reason it's not very gay. Yeah, she said, I didn't really know him very well. <laughs> so,
1: all right. It's pretty interesting Poirot, he's talking to everyone and getting the situation. The son who's the artist, he hated his father because he said that his father was terrible to his mother, like constantly cheated on her. And in fact, before his dad was murdered, they had this big argument where the dad called his dead wife stupid and the son was furious. So- Poirot was kind of talking to the butlers, talking to the
2: sons. I was just going to say, he thinks that his dad is basically responsible for his mom's death because she died of heartbreak, basically. So he thinks his dad basically killed his mom and he loved her a lot. Yeah.
0: And then he's calling her stupid.
1: Everybody has complicated feelings towards their father and they're all very different. Um, But so Poirot realizes that Simeon actually probably has more sons. And the reason he realizes that is that Simeon literally says, like, (laughs) I probably have more sons. All of my legitimate
2: (laughs) sons suck, and I'm sure I have way better bastards than you guys. He says, I bet I have better sons out there, even if they were born on the wrong side of the bedsheet. Which made me wonder, what is the right side of the bedsheet? Like, if you're the wife, are you having the babies under the bed? And if you're the mistress, you're having it, like, Above the sheets, I don't know what what's correct there. Hmm. Mm, I don't know. Well, form an opinion.
1: I think it's held up to block people off from each other.
2: I don't think it's on the bed. So if you're having it on the wrong side of the
1: sheet, it's whatever sheet you're, you're not married to the guy on. So <laughs> you
0: You're saying it's it's held up like a curtain. Yeah. And so if you're on the wrong side of the sheet, you're just like, you're not even on the bed. You're just on the floor on the other side.
2: Nobody's on the bed in, in my mind. Yeah. Well, that's for sure the wrong side of the sheet is if you're just under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> that's not correct. Yeah. I probably have some great sons out there that were born on the floor. <laughs>
0: He's talking about the, the bottom sheet, the fitted sheet, and you're just like trapped under it and it's fitted around. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, those kids weren't coddled. They had to fight their way out of that fitted sheet. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he's not subtle.
2: He's not subtle. No. No. Simeon not subtle at all. I also um kept notes about uh all of the different insults that they use for Alfred. So Simeon, even though Alfred like gives up everything to just like stay with his dad and like devoted to him, yeah. He regularly makes fun of him and Harry, who is like the creepy one who wants the wild boy. Yeah, who wants to be less than a more than a mere uncle. <laughs> Um, Less than a friend, more than an uncle. Yeah. Alfred and Harry really hate each other. Here's a little list of what they call Alfred. Old, slow, and steady. A regular sober sides. Old stick in the mud. Ninkum poop. A dull stick. Old sober sides? Regular sober sides. Old, slow, and steady. (laughs) That used to be you, Theo. (laughs) The insults are pretty funny. They also call George the one who's the, the MP. They call him... George? What's George? A stick, a stuffed codfish, a pompous windbag with no brains and no guts, and mean about money as well. I just love a stuffed codfish. He needs
0: to make up his mind.
2: He does. Yeah, are you a stick or are you a stuffed codfish? Because those two things are very different. You can be both, I guess. They
0: imply very different things. Anyway. Do people stuff fish?
2: Big mouth
1: Billy Bass. (laughs) You can be a stuffed fish.
0: Stuffed with animatronics. (laughs) All right, guys, if you're loving what you're hearing, check us out on patreon.com. Slash fire the cannon. Slash fire the
2: cannon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we bought the domain, and it just redirects to our website. Um, if you go there, you can find all sorts of ways to pay us money for what we're doing. <laughs> and when you do pay us money, you get a little something in return. You get access to lots of bonus content, and you get access to additional awards and scholarships now what do you get prizes
1: yeah prizes
0: yeah so <laughs> we'd really love it if you'd check that out also go to apple dot uh, com right they got the dot com
1: i don't know go go to the apple podcast app go to the app on your phone
0: apple oh the, go to the apple podcast app find our podcast on it rate us review us we need it i'm not asking anymore i'm it's demanding
1: non-negotiable <laughs> So while Poirot is just kind of skulking around and thinking about things, he's interested in Pilar. He looks at a couple of like a photo of her mother and her father. He looks at like a portrait of Simeon. He's just looking all around. He gets a clue because Pilar and Steven, who have formed like a connection, they're playing with balloons and a balloon pops And then Pilar picks up what's left of the balloon and was is like, oh, the thing that I found in Simeon's room must have been part of a balloon. And when Poirot realizes this, he's there as well. He's like, "You need to be careful because someone's going to try to kill you now. You're in more danger than you ever have been before." Why? Yeah, he
2: just about has a heart attack, and he's like, (gasps) "Because he realizes, oh, she is right. It's probably a balloon. He didn't know that before. Yeah, she said
1: that very soon after. A couple minutes after she's almost killed, there is someone had taken like a concrete." ball like cannonball and they put it above the door in her bedroom and so when she opened the door the ball fell but some
0: home alone shit
1: yeah (laughs) but her dress had gotten stuck on a nail so she stopped to undo it and when she stopped the cannonball fell and almost squished her
0: wait 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 why is someone going to kill her
1: because she knows something.
0: <laughs> she, she learned one thing, but she doesn't sound like she has extra information. She
1: knows that something was a balloon.
0: <laughs> like, you would think that someone wouldn't kill her because she had more information that she was going to divulge, but it seems like she just accidentally figured out this one thing, and she's not going to do anything else. Unless she's just, like, a savant. Like, she just is, like, figuring things out right and left, and then they're like, we got to stop her. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing. Earlier, when Poirot was talking to Sugden about like the clue that Pilar had found and he asked him to show it to him. He showed him something and it was a little bit of like a mesh bag and a sponge bag and like a little peg. And so when Poirot saw, I guess when when Pilar was like, oh, this is what I saw. It's some balloon. Poirot was like, wait a second. He didn't show me balloon.
0: Oh, so something's going on here.
1: Something's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) It took a murder... Okay, no, nothing's going on. Wait a
2: second. Someone lied about a balloon. (laughs) I was going to say, well, the other thing that makes it make a little more sense is that so that happens, but then also they meet to do the will because he, Simeon had just been about to redo the will right before he was murdered. Everybody expected he was going to give Pilar a lot of money because he said as much. He was like, she's better than all of you guys put together. You guys are weaklings. She's the best. And then he was murdered before he could do it. So the family meets to like divvy up everyone's money and of course, Pilar is not in it because he didn't know her when he wrote it like years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. So the
2: problem was that it would have been divided
1: equally among all of his children including her mother Jennifer. Yeah, but his daughter predeceased him which means that her portion goes to her siblings. Yeah. So instead of it being divided six ways and Pilar getting her mom's portion, it gets divided five ways and goes to each of the brothers. Uh-huh.
2: Some of the siblings are trying to be nice, like Harry and, the and Lydia and Alfred. Yeah, they're like, Pilar should get something. Like, we have enough money. Why don't we go ahead and help her out? And so at that point, like they offer. Wait, one brother, George, the politician,
1: and his wife
2: do not want want to share.
1: share. They're like huge assholes about it. And they're like, are you serious? giving money to someone who's not even English.
2: <laughs> Classic stuffed codfish. Um, what, Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is that there's a certain point at which they offer her some of the money, and then she refuses it. She says, I will not take it. it. I won't take this. And they're like, it's not charity, Pilar. This is just what you're owed. Like We believe this is what's right. And she's like, well, that's why I won't take it. And it's at that point that Poirot is like, now you're in a lot of danger. Yeah. Which I was like, what?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, no, no. The danger was about the balloon, not about her will stuff. He says He says it to her after
2: that point where she says i will not take it
1: all right we find out from poirot that he basically used what we've learned from carolus linnaeus or whatever and he figured out that because the portraits of pilar's mother and father both of them had blue eyes Mm -mm. there's no way that
2: she is their daughter because she has dark you know spanish eyes
0: could it
1: be
2: Says anybody who studies the laws of Mendel would know that? So she's
1: like, Uh, all right, here's the deal. When I was in the car, Pilar was in the car with me. And when the bomb went off, she died. Like, we had been chatting, and she told me that she was going to go meet her grandfather and get a lot of money. So after she died, I thought to myself, well... Why don't I just get a lot of money instead? I'll uh, so she like <laughs> she took the dead Pilar's passport and like put some dirt on it basically and kind of snuck across the border and, and was like, oh, they're
2: not really gonna look at this very much. She took all of Pilar's stuff too. Yeah, she was like wearing her mom's picture around her neck, and she was a pretty good actress, I thought, because when Poirot shows her the the portrait of the mom on the wall, she goes, <gasps> "My mother. My mom in her like face colors, yeah, yeah. Whereas if that were me, I would just been like who oh yeah oh yeah my mom
1: yeah well yeah i guess it was the same photo that she had in her in her locket or whatever
2: but still she'd have to like connect that i don't know yeah and have an emotional reaction
1: her real name is conchita lopez she was like having a really fun time essentially impersonating pilar but then after she realized the siblings were going to be really nice she's like i can't do this to you guys since you want to give me the money i can't take it yeah but i guess if they didn't want to give it to her she would have tried to get it
2: or like if they were just being nice and doing it for charity she would have taken it but since they believe it's the morally right thing to do she's like no i can't do that (laughs) Hmm. but that doesn't get revealed until way later
1: (laughs) yeah and so so we have that that's something interesting and then it turns out someone else
2: is not who we suspected which that person is Stephen Farr. Stephen Farr. But he goes through two of these things, which was kind of annoying to me because the first time they get like a wire back from South Africa because they were like, go check into this guy's background. And they got a a wire back that said the guy who he said his dad was, his only son died years ago. So we know that this can't be his real son. So who is he? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I don't know. I was just on the train and I saw Pilar and I thought she was really beautiful. And I saw the address on her suitcase was this house. And I thought to myself, oh, I know that house. She's going there. I'm going to make up a story and just go there with her just so I can, like, spend more time with her. That was a lie as well. Because
1: he (laughs) says he knew the Fars, Like, he knew Ebenezer Farr and his son. Mm -hmm. So that's why he recognized the address. Like, oh, my gosh, that's my friend's dad's old business partner's address. (laughs) Yeah, so he's like,
2: I'll just pretend to be their dead son. They're not going to know the difference, and I get to spend more time with Pilar. That's excellent. And then it turns out that also wasn't true, which they find out because, oh, he just said, oh, the reason that whenever the butler opened the door to see you, this happened like throughout the book, the butler would say, it's just so crazy, man, like I opened the door and saw Harry And then I opened the door and saw Stephen Farr and I just kept thinking, wow, what deja vu. This has happened before. And it turns out that Stephen Farr and Harry look almost exactly alike because (gasps) they're brothers. What? Yeah. Stephen is a bastard son of Simeon.
1: And he came to England because he was like, I've always wanted to meet my father and see what he was like. But then he was an asshole. So I killed him. Well, let's see. What's funny to me is... Poirot keeps revealing more and more brothers. Like, this book already has an abundance of brothers. And then he keeps, like, pulling more brothers out of thin air. And there's yet another secret brother. Who can it be? At one point, Poirot had, like, gone into town and ordered something. And the women in the house, like, opened the package to see what it is. And it's a fake mustache. One of the women (laughs) is like, why would he need a fake mustache? He has such a wonderful real mustache. (laughs) But it turns out that Poirot figured out that Superintendent Sugden.
2: The police officer. Is
1: another illegitimate child of Simeon. Yeah, the police officer who was already on the scene... And he's been, like, disguising it with a mustache, but that he
2: actually, like, looks exactly like him.
0: (laughs) A son of Simeon would not have a mustache?
2: He looks, again, like Harry, like Simeon, and Stephen Farr. So there's just, like, multiple people who all have very strong features that look alike. (laughs) And the way he figured this out was that Pilar, earlier in the book, had said, I love a big, strong man or something. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, Harry's handsome, just like you, Superintendent Sugden. And then he, like, turns bright red, and the reader thinks, oh, he's just being coy or something. But Poirot realizes he turns that color because she's seen through him. But they have the same body type. He said, oh, yeah, they all look alike. They're all big and strong, just like you.
0: Is she actually seeing
2: through him? No, she's not. No, she just is like, that's my type of guy. I like big dudes. I like big dudes and I cannot lie. I mean, she kind of does. Yeah.
1: So we find out that, so Sugden is pissed because, you know, his dad abandoned his mother. He gave him so- gave the mother some money and so she was able to marry someone else, but he wanted revenge on Simeon.
2: Because he grew up like, you know, a working class kid and had to become a police officer and now he's just mad.
1: Yeah. S- and also Simeon's an asshole. So the diamonds, it turns out he had come up with a scheme to get in and talk to Simeon and told him like, oh, you know, there's been some thieves coming around and let me check your diamonds and see if they're- still real or not or whatever so he sees the diamonds so essentially what he does is he kills simeon way earlier than everyone thought that he had been killed
2: this is so convoluted yes i have to say just before we explain it i just have to say it's so annoying to me because I want a murder mystery to be something, like, I could conceivably figure out. This was something no one in the world could have ever figured out. Like, There's a reason
1: that we couldn't figure it out, which is that, like, one of the key components of the murder doesn't exist anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess it <laughs> so, used to be a pretty common thing, but now I'm like, what? <laughs> there was. I'll tell you what my theory was. So we're about to tell you how the murder actually happened because one of the confusing things about it, again, was that – They heard the scream, they heard the crash, they came up, he was dead, there was a ton of blood, and the door was locked from the inside and all the windows were shut. So it's like classic mystery, like, how could the murderer have gotten away? And he's, like, Poirot's trying all of these different angles to say, like, this person has this motive and you were there at this time and this person was there at that time and this person lied about this and that person lied about that. So, like, how could the murderer have gotten away so quickly, basically? And this is how Sugden did it. (laughs) Sugden did it? Yes. Do we need to bleep that out?
1: No, we, we're going to no, say at the beginning that. that we will. Yeah, we also said it like two minutes ago. Uh. But we'll say at the <laughs> beginning that we're going through the whole plot.
2: <laughs> you just missed that. Maybe <laughs> the audience will too. So did it. Wait, sorry, who? <laughs> he did? <laughs> hmm. Okay, how'd he do it, Rachel?
1: Okay. The main thing that everyone was wondering is why would there have been this big fight when our dad is so frail, you know? Like
2: feeble and old and sick. Yeah, Yeah. so like he could never put up a fight. Also, everybody kept saying there's too much blood. Yeah. They kept saying he's old and dried out. There can't be this much blood. And I was like, is that true? Like, I mean, just because you have like dry skin doesn't mean you are empty of blood. Do old people have less blood? Yeah. (laughs) What? It's drier. For sure. Yeah, it's like powdered blood. (laughs) Jackie, tell us,
1: is it true or is it not
2: true? You're the doctor. I have no idea. I mean, like, the lower, the smaller you are as a person, the lower your volume of blood. But that doesn't, Hmm. it's not because you're old and you have wrinkles that your blood goes away. Like, your your wrinkles are not caused by your blood depleting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do old people have less blood, though? That's what I want to know.
2: Yeah. Do they? I mean... They probably have lower oxygen needs and vascular disease. yes.
1: So they're right.
2: I mean, but I don't think it would be noticeable. I don't think if you slit someone's throat, you'd be like, whoa, that's too much blood. (laughs) (laughs) Like, unless it was like elevators from the Shining level.
0: But even then, that's too much for anyone, not just an old person.
2: Well, but especially an old person, Theo. Uh, The things that don't make sense are how did the murderer get away so quickly? Why was there this big fight? And why is there so much blood and mm. what were those things on the floor and why don't they seem to match up with what was shown? Okay, so go ahead, Rachel.
1: Okay, so what Sugnan did was he came earlier in the night to like inspect the diamonds. And while he was doing that, he like after they saw everything, he surprised Simeon and
2: cut his throat and like kept him totally quiet. Was totally soundless because... When you slit someone's throat, they don't get to make a big, huge scream. So I thought that was weird the whole time. Yeah. But nobody ever mentioned that. Uh Mm. So then- (laughs) Not that I've ever slit someone's throat. I just am imagining. Okay.
0: If they see you first, then they scream, then you slit. Yeah. That's another possibility.
2: See, scream, slit.
0: If you see something, slit something.
2: (laughs) 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 No, it was like the way they described it was like there was a horrible gurgling cry and then a big scream and then a thud. And it's like, well- That doesn't make any sense. Well, (laughs) they should have done it the way Theo says.
0: You know, I bet if I took the literal meaning of if you see something, say something, if I took that to heart, I bet I would be
2: intolerable. (laughs) Yeah, you would never (laughs) stop saying anything.
0: I know, but I would get over my shyness pretty quickly, I think. (laughs) You know what I mean?
2: Because every time you see something, you have to say something. But it doesn't say to say it to anyone. You could just mutter under your breath. People would get
1: mad.
0: And it doesn't say it doesn't say to say something related to what you saw. Yeah.
2: Every
1: <laughs>
0: time you see something, you say something. So
2: just anything. And, and
0: just become like a random word generator, <laughs> just constantly <laughs> talking. And some you just have to close my eyes and then I'll stop.
2: <laughs> yeah. If someone says like, "Someone go blind that guy." <laughs> so he stops talking. Pluck his eyes out. Yeah. Jackie sounds like a job for you. I yeah, the right idea. Idea.
0: I'm like darting my head around, still saying things <laughs> like monitor, frozen peas,
2: kickball. <laughs> and then we blind him or we close his eyes, and then he has to just start sending heart emojis. And that's when it all ends for him. Too vulnerable.
0: Whoa. That's why I'm so scared of heart emojis. It's all coming together.
2: <laughs> that's yeah. why you're so scared. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just another very quick aside. Audience, the reason we keep mentioning me plucking people's eyes out is because Theo didn't <laughs> like me originally. Apparently, I said I was going to go pluck my own eyes out over something, and I have no memory of this whatsoever, but he he, and he didn't let it go for years.
0: It was grotesque, and I let it go.
2: <laughs> but now you love the grotesque, Theo. He's loving the grotesquerie of this thing, of this person. I don't,
0: something about that was just too far. And it also just seemed like you were exaggerating a lot. Like, it, Can you someone, tell how
2: much he's let it go? He really let this go.
0: Yeah, like someone said something like, oh, we're going to be a little late to lunch. And you said, well, I'm going to pluck my eyes out because of this.
1: Yeah, that is not what happened. There's no way. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Because of this. Well, I'm going to pluck my eyes out if you're
2: late to lunch. Yeah, and I had to
0: hold my hands over your eyes to prevent your hands from plucking. It was awful.
2: Yeah, it was so dramatic.
0: And you were shouting, let me
2: pluck them. Let me pluck them. I must pluck. I'm saying, I'm saving
0: you from yourself, Jackie. And you wonder why I didn't like you.
2: I mean, come come on. on. Yeah. Well, we had a rough start is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Theo is basically a human straitjacket for six weeks. <laughs> Once I say something, I keep my word. If I see something, I say something.
0: Once you say something, you no longer see something because you if plucked you say, your eyes yeah. out.
2: If I say something, I can't see anything anymore. Wow. Ugh, anyway, I'm so glad we came full circle. Mm-hmm. A little clumsily. What does "full circle" mean in that context? That's how comedy works.
1: You just bring things up again later, and that's full circle. Honestly,
2: yeah, that's all I do. <laughs> Weave a
1: tapestry of jokes.
0: <laughs> I think it was full circle because now we can move back onto the story, and we started that with talking about this. See something, say something. We ended with see something, say something. Now we go back to the story. That's how it works. It's an arc form. Ooh, no, and the way that the and story. the way
2: that our Jackie? friendship ends. Okay, go ahead. The way that our friendship ends is that I refuse to pluck my eyes out. And he's oh. trying to force me to. <laughs> yes. And he's like, I don't yes. like this girl anymore.
0: I just don't want to do it because I don't want to get my fingers all gross. Jackie, you got to do it. And Can you're like, you do
2: it, please? Can you do it? <laughs> like, Somebody no. has to do, <laughs> do it. It. <laughs> it must be done. <laughs> <gasps> all right, all right. So back to the murder. Okay. You got to talk about the murder, Rachel. It's crazy.
1: It's so complicated. So, okay. So he kills the old guy and he also had brought with him a lot of animal blood and, like, an anticoagulation agent. So he kind of mixes that together and makes a bunch of blood in the room because this old man was so dry. (laughs) And then he banks up the fire really high to keep him warm, like, to keep the body warmer so it seems like he was alive longer. Mm. And then he stages the scene. He takes the diamonds and he ends up hiding them in a fountain, which Poirot was, like, you did this because even if someone found them, it would point the finger at the family, which is who you wanted people to be suspicious of. So My
0: finger points. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so he takes the diamonds and then he like. Good add in,
2: Theo. Good one.
1: <laughs> throws furniture all around and like breaks things. And then he does something which is like over by the window, he piles up a bunch of stuff and like attaches a cord to it somehow. I think he like he climbs out the window. No, he doesn't doesn't climb out the window. No. So by the window, which is, it looks like it's almost closed basically, but he like threads a cord through the window and like hanging outside. So there are two cords actually. One of them is attached to like a pile of stuff so that he's able to pull on the cord and it'll knock everything over and cause a loud crash. And then he can just like pull the cord free. (laughs) And then the other cord (laughs) is attached to a balloon called a dying pig which was well known and it's like uh, a
2: ju- like a whoopee cushion
1: yeah that makes this uh-huh. horrible sound okay. and they
2: sell them at chil- at fairs and they're popular with kids Dang. and so what happened was so he leaves he kills the guy leaves and no one notices anything because they're like, oh, that's Superintendent Sugden. Like, he was just here to talk to my dad. No, he was
1: disguised. At, I don't think he was—he wasn't Sugden. He was disguised as someone else at the time. He was pretending to be, like, collecting something for ch- for charity or whatever, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, but the ha- the house staff saw him and knew it was him, and he was, he was, like, collecting for the police charity. That's, like, what he told them. And he had a yeah. different
0: fake mustache on?
2: No. <laughs> but so—so <No>. <sighs> so
1: he leaves, And then a couple hours later, he sets the plan
2: in motion. So nobody sees Simeon in the meantime. So he pulls the cord and all the stuff comes crashing down and the and the pig blood is everywhere and the the dying pig balloon goes ah or whatever they're all
0: gonna laugh at you
2: (laughs) they're all gonna laugh at you they're all gonna laugh 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 at you you. that's a Carrie reference Um,
0: pig blood people get it
2: (laughs) people get it (laughs) yeah they put Simeon in a prom dress and poured this blood all over him so everybody who heard this scream in the house described it as like a soul in hell or a person without a soul or like the worst sound I've ever heard and they, they all I'll try to describe the scream and even this like hardiest of them just, just like, shudders oh. with fear when they think about it, like, oh I don't want to think of that scream. It was a freaking whoopee cushion. <laughs> what could it have sounded like? Yeah. <laughs>
0: always get Jackie with a fart noise
2: <laughs> <laughs> well it's just so funny to imagine that being like the sound that you hear and think like
0: oh no that terrible scream wait what would you call it a pig pig ripper something like that
2: a dying pig a dying pig oh, pig ripper <laughs>
0: But, um, so where is it? It's in the room, it's out of the room.
2: So, okay, it was attached to a cord. When he pulled on the cord, he released the air. Okay, it released the air from the thing, but it popped, and that was what left the little piece of pink rubber behind. That was a part of his plan, like, it wasn't supposed to leave any part of itself. And the wood, I guess, was like a cork. That was holding the balloon closed. Oh. Yeah. It, sorry. The The cord was tied to the cork that was blocking up the, the bag, the balloon bag. But
0: the balloon is like on the window? It's like on it's the window. It's in
1: the room because he wants the sound to be coming from the room. Right. And there's a cord outside the house. So when he pulls on the cord, the little cork comes out of the balloon and the sound of the air
2: escaping makes this like wah sound.
0: But the whole balloon wouldn't be left in the room somehow?
2: No, because it was tied to the cord. Okay. Or he, ideally he would, but some of it broke off and stayed in some the room. Some of it broke off. Okay. And that's what Pilar found on the floor was like a little wow. bit of cork and a little bit of the balloon thing.
0: How on earth did this plan fail? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it seems airtight. <laughs> airtight. I'm. Huh? So when Poirot says, show me what Pilar found on the floor, he shows him two unrelated things that somewhat match the description. So Pilar says, yeah, I found like a little rubber pink thing and then a little piece of wood. So Sugden shows him something that matches that description, but isn't actually the material that she found. And then he realizes I can't make any sense of these items that he showed me. And that means that they must not have been there. Like if it doesn't make sense, then it can't have been there. And that makes him start looking at Sugden. Wow. No,
1: he says that, Actually, at the time, foolishly, he didn't think that. At the time, he thought, this doesn't make sense. So I need to keep researching what it is. So, but once Pilar says, oh, it was balloon, then he's like, wait a second, this guy lied. Why didn't he bring
2: this up? Yeah, yeah. So he, for a long time, spends a lot of time on it and then later realizes that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, okay, here's my questions about this. Why did he need all of the extra blood? That just seems like an unnecessary detail. When you slit someone's throat, it's clear that's how they died. You don't have to, like, show that It was that they- a little
1: fan service for Agatha Christie's brother-in-law. Yeah. That's the real reason. I
0: mean, because if everyone's reaction was, wow, there's way too much blood for this old man, he shouldn't have added the extra <laughs> blood,
2: <right>? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, probably a
0: believable <laughs> amount is the amount that he did actually bleed.
2: That— in a way, makes the dedication even more funny because it wasn't like she was saying, here, James, here's what you wanted. Instead, she made it ridiculous and is like, see, James, that doesn't make any sense. That's (laughs) why I didn't do this before. It's (laughs) just so funny to
1: me that when Sugden says to Poirot, when were you sure that it was me? Poirot says, I wasn't sure until I bought a false mustache and held it up in front of the portrait of young Simeon Lee. And that's when I knew. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. Really? You couldn't just draw the mustache on him?
1: Uh-uh. He had to hold up a fake
2: mustache and he's like, and it looked just like you. <laughs> All of this other evidence, that's it. That's the mustache. Yeah. There was a review on Goodreads. Because, you know, I like to look at the the one star review on Goodreads for these books. And one of them was one star and it just said the fake mustache gave it away (laughs) at the point at which the women of the house find the fake mustache in the package. This person claims they understood everything
1: because they were like only one character really has a mustache and it must be (laughs) fake or it must be significant in some way. But yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, the one thing that stopped him from looking exactly like all the brothers was his freaking mustache. That's ridiculous. So
2: Sugden is like, well, I'm glad. I killed him he deserved it yeah that's that's the end of it he deserved it wow it's just crazy to think that like this random policeman I mean that's some shit that like a a seasoned serial killer does this was so convoluted of a murder yeah, really. You
0: think so? Maybe like a bored serial killer who's done all the other good ways to kill people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like a seasoned serial killer would be very much like, get in, get out, you know?
0: Get on with your life.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just a job. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But I, what I'm, you know what I mean though? Like, like a psychopath, like, Sugden could have killed this man so easily. Well, he wanted to get away with it. I know, but he could have killed him and gotten away with it and just made it less weird. Apparently, this is (laughs) the best idea he could think of. You know, like he could have just like, oh, I was I was talking to him about the diamonds and I tried to help him up and he just fell. Sorry. Oops. (laughs) Like, that's all you have to do. No one would think twice about it. He's a feeble old man. You're a police officer. You have no particular motive. That would have been fine. Instead, he yeah, does this. Maybe you should be a murderer, Jackie. You might be in the wrong line of work.
0: If you became a well-known murderer, the our podcast stats. This podcast so is
2: so good pop for a podcast. podcast. I know. It would be true crime. <laughs>
0: true, true crime.
2: Dang, I really don't want to have to do it though.
0: Truest crime.
2: Well, here's what I thought was going to happen. I texted Rachel and I said, "I have a theory. Can I tell you the theory? Because I hadn't finished the book yet, and I I wanted to prove that." I was, like, so sure this was going to be correct. And I was like, there's no way that I got this wrong.
0: At what point did you have the theory?
2: So I started suspecting it while Simeon was still alive. Because what happens is, he, like I said, he called everyone into his room and, like, gave this big speech about how they all suck and he's not going to leave them anything. And he keeps cackling to himself, like, even before everybody gets to the house, he's always, like, seen, like, rubbing his little hands and saying, like, oh, (laughs) yes, this will be a very fun Christmas indeed. I'm going to play a little game. I'm going to have so much much fun with these people, <laughs> and so I was thinking to myself, like, well, nothing about this murder makes sense. And they think, well, it has to have been suicide. But wait, it can't be suicide because of how much blood there was and ah. these other factors, and and the struggle and all this. And I was like, okay, well, clearly he killed himself. And the joke that he played on his family was that he's going to get them framed for murder, mm-hmm. like because he hates them so much. He was going to invite them all over and then say, look, I'm sick and old. I'm about to die anyway. The best fuck you would be to like send one of you to prison forever and I don't even care which one of you it is Wow! I thought that was going to be it like that's his little game
0: that's some psychological shit Jackie
2: yeah that's what I thought it was going to be Wait,
0: but does he actually kill himself or does he fake his death
2: he doesn't do something kills him <laughs> he was killed by sucked in Theo, and did it. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait. Oh, in my theory? <laughs> yeah, in your no, theory. He did, no, in, no, in my theory, he doesn't fake his death. He actually kills himself. And then, uh, like, that's how spiteful he is, right? Like, wow. he, would, he would do that just to, like... Spiteful as a rose. Spiteful, spiteful as a rose. rose. So that's what I thought was going to happen because that would have made the most sense, honestly.
0: That's cooler, yeah. Not to get too morbid, but if you were doing this scheme... That Jackie is suggesting, if you were the Simeon and you were doing this scheme, Mm -hmm. what evidence would you leave to make people wonder how you were murdered?
2: A tiny piece of rubber and a wooden peg.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It worked perfectly. I mean, because, you know, a really obvious one is like two little fang marks on the neck.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Like some green ooze, maybe. Hmm. (laughs) I would carve the initials of the person I wanted to frame into my own abdomen with my non-dominant hand so that when they look at it later, it would not look like I did it myself. It would look like someone was like above me doing it. And then I would also make sure to like wear gloves while doing that so that the carving implement would not have my fingerprints on it. Mm. And then also what I would do is... Hmm. Have I thought about this too much? <laughs> I thought,
0: uh, here's my idea is I would uh, leave crumbs of the person's favorite snack all around me.
2: Of bacon. Yeah. bacon or if I wanted to frame Theo, I would just say sugar, sugar everywhere. This is the <laughs> <Sugar>. favorite. <laughs> no, no. If you want to frame Theo, there should be no sugar at the scene of the crime because he's licked it all up.
0: If already, yeah, sugar everywhere else. Ah,
2: <laughs> uh, yes. Like the flour tin is full, the baking soda tin is full, the sugar is empty. <laughs>
0: the, well, the murderer clearly doesn't eat baking soda. It
1: looks like the baking soda tin, like someone licked a finger, dipped it in, tasted it, and no thanks,
2: but the sugar. <laughs> the, wasn't it.
0: Yeah, that'd be so good. Oh my god!
2: But then you find out it was actually Rachel because Rachel knew this about Theo, did away with the sugar, but there were little mint leaves all over the place. Ooh. And
1: no one noticed. I thought you were framing Theo. Now I'm the one framing Theo.
2: I don't know.
1: Or I killed you, but you framed Theo. Right.
2: But right, like, that's what I thought was going to happen. I was like, oh, I'm so correct about this. I can't wait to, like, prove to everybody that I knew this was going to happen. And you were wrong. She got you. She got your ass. Yeah, she got your ass. No, that doesn't count. She made it completely impossible to figure out. Like, that, she made, that it made me impossible mad. impossible for my ass to not get gotten.
0: <laughs> I do actually think, for what Jackie's saying, it makes much more sense considering it's a Christmas-themed book. Jackie's idea makes
2: a lot more sense. Because it's Christmas-themed? Yeah. It's, what is Christmas, like, just revenge? <laughs> yeah, explain. It's,
0: I mean, it's got to be, like, kind of a weird one if it's Christmas-themed.
1: Well, this is the only Poirot mystery where a police officer killed someone. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah.
0: You just spoiled the entire series. <laughs> uh, oh, my
1: god. The next
2: one I read, I'm like, well, I know it's not the police officer. Well, that'll <laughs> yeah, make
1: it easier gosh. for you to get it right than Jackie.
2: <laughs> yeah, easier. So <laughs> the other thing about this that's funny is that He's like, ah, fine, I did it. And I'm I'm glad too. I'm not sorry. He gets led away. And then the rest of the family is just there. And everything becomes really awkward between them because they're just like, oh, oops. Like we all were mad at each other. Yes. That was our brother. And we all thought another person did it. And we just fought a whole lot. And then they keep calling Conchita Pilar. They're like, oh, Pilar, it's fine. We forgive you. We, We understand. And she was like... Can I ask one favor, though? And they're like, sure, Pilar, anything. And she's like, maybe next year can I come back and, like, actually have a nice Christmas with you guys? And they're like, oh, of course, dear. Welcome back anytime. <laughs> she just what? impersonated their dead relative and stole her clothes. And they're like, yeah, no, this is fine. You, you can basically be Pilar now.
1: The reason they invited her back is because she said when they were like, oh, are you going to be okay? She said, I'm actually marrying Stephen and we're going to go to South Africa. And Stephen is their brother. Yeah. So then when she was like, what if Stephen and I come back next year? They were like, yeah, sure. Because that's our brother that we don't know, and you'll be his wife.
2: It wasn't like you're a random scammer. (laughs) Even then,
0: she is a random scammer.
2: She is, but at least she's their (laughs) sister-in-law. I could see being like, sure, Pilar, you can come back because you're going to be my brother's wife. But I don't think I would be like, yes, you're so welcome anytime. I love you so much, Pilar. They never call her country. No, they do. Bef- right
1: before this happens, they say, wait a second, your name's not Pilar. Isn't it something else? And she's like, yeah, it's Conchita. And they're like, oh, that's such a pretty name. Yeah,
2: but then they keep calling her Pilar. Okay, Pilar. <laughs> yeah, what a nice name, Pilar. <laughs> yeah, they
0: do. <laughs> that is weird. Also, I wouldn't want to spend Christmas with these people. They sound pretty terrible.
2: I mean, yeah, you're zero for one on a good Christmas with the Lees. <laughs> the only one that's really bad is the politician
1: brother. Because also after the police officer, it's revealed that he killed Simi mean because he was his you know, his illegitimate son. The politician brother is like, do you think we could get him to say that it's because he's a communist, actually? And they're like, no, I don't think he's going
2: to try to protect the family name for you. <laughs> yeah, he says, do you think you could get him to say that he killed our dad because he hates capitalism? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait, do you think Agatha Christie was just trying to set up a sequel when she said the thing about uh, Pilar wanting Pilar to- Pilar coming back. Yeah, Pilar coming back. Maybe we should do Christmas next year.
1: uh uh-huh. Here we
0: go again.
2: Oh, like looking no. at the camera with
1: your arms crossed. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next
2: book is like, actually, I'm not Punchita. And then Steven's actually not Steven. Oh wow. We're
0: both Simeon.
2: <laughs> two Simeons. Yeah. Two Simeons.
0: Each <laughs> less bloody than the last. <laughs> less blood.
2: Simeon and Simeon sitting in a tree. U N C L I N G.
0: U N C L Uncling, yeah. they're uncling it.
2: They're uncling uh-huh. it. Doesn't Harry like after they find
0: out?
1: <laughs> after they find out that Conchita is not really their niece, isn't Harry like interesting? Doesn't he try to hit on her immediately? He's like, okay, yeah, he's yes. like, score. So we're not related. <laughs> yeah, <he does. laughs> just as I always wanted. <laughs> but most of the Lees are pretty nice. Like Alfred is is nice. Lydia's nice. David is nice. And Hilda are nice.
0: They're all killing each. No, other.
1: none of them it's killed just... each other. Sugden did it (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, when are we going to reveal the murderer?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: only the legitimate Lees are nice. Ah.
1: Not all of them, just most of them, I guess. Barely. Slight majority.
0: Well, only the l- legitimate Lees are
1: not murderers. Correct. So yeah. Can
0: we at least say that? Can we at least say that illegitimate children are usually murderers?
1: Usually. Nope. It was 50 50 in this story. What I thought was so funny is that there's a little bit at the end where they're talking to each other and they just like, they're just complimenting
2: poirot so much they're like wow it was so amazing the way he solved this mystery <laughs> instead of just being like totally silent and traumatized from everything that's happened so i imagine like they saw poirot
1: kind of watching them from behind a pillar
2: and they're like yeah that guy he's so smart yeah love <laughs> a good him. detective <laughs> that weird belgian guy so uh yeah i think this needs to be fired <laughs> theo Really? You loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to hear who the murderer was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rachel, I'm going to try to ask this in as non-judgmental a way as possible. Why do you like the Poirot series? Like, do you just like him as a character because the writing is not very good?
1: He's a great character. A lot of the detective st- stories are good. The mysteries are very well crafted. She did so many mysteries. This mystery fell flat i think specifically because it hinged on a type of balloon that doesn't exist there's no way that i would ever be able to solve this because i'm like i'm like cork nobody closes balloons with corks you know like what kind of balloon sounds like a dying pig this solution did not work for me that wasn't the only
2: thing that was impossible to figure out like
1: I mean I don't think so I, I suspected that the Simeon had been killed ahead of time and that the room was staged I just didn't I couldn't figure out how it had been done
0: only because it's a trope
2: yeah no I figured that as well but he hung the cords out of the window and then like went outside and pulled on the cords. And yes. It was just too much.
0: I was a little confused because I thought Simeon was talking to them saying, you're all worse than my bastards. <laughs> and then he like went upstairs, looked at his diamonds, and then they heard him die. But there was was there like a long span of time in between those things?
2: Yeah, because he goes upstairs to his room every night and like doesn't want to see anyone in the family. So it wasn't weird for him to be upstairs alone for hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, like they were all having dinner downstairs and then all this stuff happened. So is the prose not important to you when it's a mystery book, Rachel? Like it's just the mystery. I don't think
1: her writing is bad. I think that she does a very good job. She does a great job with characterization, in my opinion, which really, I thought it was silly. It was silly. I don't think that's a problem, but it's much more obvious when you read more and more of her books. Mm -hmm. The characters, they're very distinct. And I like, she kind of has like an Austenian eye with how she looks at the upper classes and points out things that are ridiculous about them. So I don't think that she's not famous because of like the high quality of her writing, but her writing for the most part is pretty good. The mysteries are very good. And Poirot is just a great Mm -hmm. detective character. I like him as a detective much more than I like Sherlock Holmes, for example. And I don't think the Sherlock Holmes stories are necessarily amazingly written.
2: No, I think Poirot as a character is pretty charming. What I was thinking was silly is not the character. Like, it's fine if you write silly characters. I thought it was silly how she sets it up by having them all like explicitly state what they're sure. It it was just very artless. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I love Poirot. I don't have a strong attachment to a particular book in the series.
2: Maybe I need to read more where there's no balloon involved in the murder. Yeah, no
1: no more balloon involved murders. You should maybe watch the adaptation, the BBC adaptation. Steven really loves it. He's just a good detective. I don't care either way. If you say like, I really like Poirot, but you know, as far as canons go, we need to pick a better example of his skills that'd be fine with me this is certainly not a mystery where i would be like wow i remember that like i can't believe she pulled it off how amazing the twists were so good Mm -hmm. i i really did like how she characterized the way that all the different sons reacted to their father's treatment of them Mm -hmm. i think at the time There weren't that many writers who were kind of like mystery writers who were delving into the psychological aspects. There was actually a quite funny part where Poirot is gathering everyone together and he says, like, listen up. I have looked at the whole family and only two of you are capable of committing murder. (laughs) He says it's Alfred and Hilda, which are like the two I was suspecting the
2: least.
0: So he just says that?
1: Yeah, and everyone's fine with it.
0: That's not cool. I mean, I would hate it if someone, let's say we get Poirot on this podcast, which-
1: Yeah, I'd love to get him on the pod, dream guest.
0: If he came on and he was like, only one of you does murders probably, and it's Theo. I feel like that would really throw off our dynamic.
1: You don't think you'd feel left out? What if he said, look, only two of you are capable of committing murder, and it's Rachel and Jackie. You don't think you'd be offended? Like, I could commit a murder if I really wanted to. (laughs) Um-
0: (laughs) i don't think so actually i think i i think i would be like a little freaked out i guess i would be a little bit cautious It would throw off the dynamic. You know, I would be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't push. Maybe I shouldn't
2: repeatedly tell Jackie everything she did wrong at governor's school. Well, here's the thing. They weren't all fine with it. Like he made pretty much everyone mad because what he does first is he goes through like, here's why you would have done it, which was just very funny um, to say like, George, I know that he told you he was going to take all your money away. So that's why you would have done it. And then he gets mad. And then he's like, Lydia, you never liked living here. So that's why you would have done it. And pretty much the only person who, like, had no motive would have been Pilar because he was like, she would have gotten a bunch of money if he had just lived a little longer. Which is
1: what made me suspect her was just that part. Exactly. I was like, wait a second.
2: Yeah. If she had no reason to do it,
1: maybe she did it.
2: (laughs) Also, how was Sugden just somewhere hiding in the house just happening to be able to knock – a cannonball down and almost kill her because. Well, he was there because they were <laughs> investigating. But when that happens, she narrowly avoids getting crushed by it. And then Stephen Farr steps out of the room where the cannonball was and said, She's alive. That <laughs> seems suspicious as hell. But that and never came back, never got mentioned. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I bet Sugden, I bet he had some string going through all those windows. I bet he had you know, various traps he could set up.
2: Yeah, if only they had at some point gone outside and seen all the strings attached to <laughs> <in, laughs> everyone. follow the end of the string Sugden's probably at the end of it Um, well anyway so we hope you enjoyed that and please come back next week we're going to be discussing uh, John Allison's work (laughs) with John Allison and we're also going to be discussing this mystery because he likes mysteries our website is firethecannonpod.com. Our Instagram and Twitter are at Fire Pod. Our Facebook group is Fire the Podcast. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash And as always, canon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. C-A-N-O-N. <laughs> C-A-N-O-N. Oh, we should write a jingle. Oh, yeah. Theo. <laughs> I was
0: waiting for one of you guys to volunteer.
2: Oh, I volunteered you. Thank you so much to our new patron Sanjay Sanjay lives in Singapore and he recently became a patron after leaving two very insightful comments on our uh, Facebook discussion group about our Dune episode with Jess Owens. Um, and I'm not being sarcastic when I say that they actually were very insightful. Theo (laughs) looked at the comments and said, Oh no, this guy's smart.
0: Yeah. I didn't think I could respond to them. I'm sorry. And you didn't respond. (laughs) I know. I got too scared. I was like, this guy knows a lot more than I do.
2: And, but I did respond to Sanjay and I, Rachel then said, uh, you totally Mm -hmm. misunderstood what he was (laughs) talking about. So too late. Sorry about that. But no, we are so glad that you joined us and um you became a patron after leaving us two um valid points of criticism. So that was just basically the nicest thing ever. Thank you.
0: Yeah.
2: My vote for nicest guy in Singapore. What a great guy. One so of the best. If you want to beat Sanjay's record and you think you're a nicer guy in Singapore, nicer gal, whatever, we don't care. Uh join the Patreon, please. Thank you so much. All right. Everybody say au revoir. Au
0: revoir
2: goodbye from our
1: little gray cells to yours.